0: You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, your host, and today... We're going to do a show that I've uh, been putting off for a while. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to have a show, and we're going to talk about procrastination. That is serious. Uh, we are we are going to talk about that subject, and my guest is Mr. Eric Twiggs.
1: Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, Doug. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on.
0: Yeah, I'm very happy to have you. And This is a interesting topic that I often run into when I meet with my own coaching clients, whether they're uh, corporate executives or business owners, procrastination kind of bites all of us at one time or another. We, we get faced with a challenge and we just find a lot of reasons not to get there. So um, tell us a little bit uh, about your background and how you kind of got into this interesting area
1: of focus. I'm your procrastination prevention partner. I'm the author of The Discipline of Now, and I'm the host of the 30-Minute Hour podcast. And I help entrepreneurs to beat procrastination so they can make more money, get more done, and feel more confident. Now, the way I got into um, overcoming procrastination, it really started back when I was in college. And I had this experience. I talk about this in the book. Um, I had this experience with my friend, Donnell, and he and I at the time, we're a little different. He's all about his purpose. I'm all about the party. He's always giving me this hard time t- telling me I need to get serious. And we had this one particular conversation. He's telling me to get serious. And I'm like, man, look, are you coming to the frat party with me or not? Um, several weeks go by. I don't talk to him. But then I get a phone call from his mother informing me that he was killed in a car accident. Well, wow. yeah changed everything. It sent me a message that maybe I don't have the time that I think to do the things that I want to do. And from that point on, I've been thinking about overcoming procrastination, how am I spending my time and being as productive as possible.
0: Well, like I said, it's a it's a common theme that I run into with a lot of people and you know, there's a lot of I, I guess stories and books and ideas about how to beat it and, and what's at the root of it. Do you have a kind of a standard framework that you go after when you start working with someone?
1: I do. So I have a a five-step model um, and I talk about it in the book, um, The Discipline of Now. So it's it's five levels. It's the procrastination prevention pyramid. So if someone wants to overcome procrastination, so picture of the pyramid, right? And at the foundation of the pyramid is the attitude, right? So attitude's at the foundation of the pyramid because attitude's at the foundation of your success. And I, one of the mistakes, Doug, I made early in my career, especially when I was coaching people, is I would focus on the tactics. I would focus on, okay, this is what you need to do to, to drive revenue, this is what you need to do to get more customers, but there was a mindset issue and I couldn't get any traction until we started to address the the mindset issue, because that's really the the big issue that causes people to procrastinate how they think. So you have the attitude, that's the first part. You have awareness, uh, you have animation, which is your energy level. Automation is the next one after that, as far as how do you put systems in place where things happen without having you to touch without without you having to touch it? And then activity is at the top of my model, and we focus on taking the right actions because. And I have activity at the top because you can't get to the top without taking the right actions. So, mm. so that's my model in short. And I can go deeper as needed. That makes a
0: lot of sense. And as you were describing that, I'm, I'm thinking about a couple of scenarios that are pretty prevalent. And I think I want to knock off the easy one first, and maybe easy is not a good word for what I'm getting ready to say at all, but often when I have a client tell me that they are they, they recognize they are a pro- procrastinator, just with a couple of questions, I can quickly determine that the primary reason that they're procrastinating is because, in fact, they are perfectionists. So the mind says something like, if I can't do it well, or if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it until I figure out well and perfect.
1: Yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's that's a big reason that people procrastinate. And one of one of the things that I always say is that you can't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's a very, very good analogy. It's similar, really closely related, almost the same thing is uh, perfect is the enemy of good. And the, the, the idea that it doesn't have to be perfect and you don't have to be perfect to accomplish something. And to me, it goes to your action step. It, it's just do the next thing you know just take the next step you don't have to finish the project you don't have to have everything totally accounted for but make a step forward and you know stop holding up
1: progress now i mean that, that that's a big issue for a lot of people and so and what happens is the easiest thing to do is nothing right? If you, if you have this thing, you feel like, oh, I've got to have it perfect. I've got to have it all mapped out and figured out. And you don't know where to start. So the easiest thing to do is to do nothing. But like you're saying, and this is something I work with people, okay, what's the next thing? I don't care how the small steps count, right? No. What's the next smallest step we can take that's going to move us in that direction? Because I want, I want to work with people to help them to build that momentum to get to where they're trying to go.
0: And what do you see, I'm shifting gears a little bit, what do you see with people that uh, might come to you and say, it, it's not really that I'm not getting anything done, I'm just maybe not getting the right things done because I'm just too darn busy. I don't have any time for anything new and different.
1: <laughs> so people know not to tell me that they're too, they're too busy because there's no such thing as being too busy. It's, it's really, it's about priority. Right? Because if something is important, you'll move he- heaven and earth to make it happen. and so the, w- one of the things I, I work with people on is this is that clarity is the starting point of success, right so we we need to be clear on what it is that you really want and because most people well not most people, all people, if you really if it's something you really want that aligns with your values. You're going to make it happen. You're going to find a way to make it happen. You're going, you're going to move in that direction. So that being, that, being too busy, that, that's, really, that's not the real issue.
0: It, it's just amazing to me. I, I went through a season recently with it. Just seemed every prospective client I met and talked to—that was the first thing out of their mouth. I'm too busy. I'm not, Doug. I'm not even sure I can hire you as a coach. I'm just too busy to take on another thing. And I was in a. I participate in a network of of coaches in in my area, and it's just a kind of a fellowship networking kind of thing. And we share stories and best practices. And I was, I was lamenting to the group of this concern I had. And one guy spoke up and he said, all right, I don't want to be morbid. He said, but why don't you try asking these people? If you got diagnosed with stage four cancer, would you find time to go get treatment? Yeah, absolutely. And I went, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty dramatic, you know, yeah. but to, I think it speaks to your point there. There's time for everything. You just have to set your priorities.
1: You know, it's interesting. So I have a background in automotive. I was a district manager had 500 employees working for me and all that good stuff. And I remember I would have managers who would say that I was, you know, you said you were going to make these follow-up calls. What happened? Oh yeah. I just, I didn't have time. I'm I'm just too busy. But these individuals would take their smoke break like clockwork. I mean, the same times every day. And I'm like, well, how did you have time to smoke if you're so busy? Why? Because the the smoking was a priority, right? It was a, they felt that urge. They were going to find a way and make the time to make it happen.
0: Yeah. I often talk to my clients about the word intentional, you know, uh, be intentional with what you're scheduling and how you're moving forward. And anytime I've talked to others who are so-called efficiency experts, what inevitably is somewhere in the mix of their solutions is the idea of really mapping out the steps and setting the sequence and then becoming very intentional about scheduling
1: and putting those in to play. Oh, sure. But again, I think it starts with knowing where you're trying to, what's your North star? I think really being clear on that. That clarity is the starting point of everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was, uh, I'm going to joke, and if, if, if the person I'm getting ready to talk about is hearing this, you'll know exactly who I am, but I'm not going to name names. I was talking with one client. We were talking about all these priorities for his company, and I was real proud of him since we had started working. He had already done a doubling of, of his revenues, and we were still trying to talk about next step after that. And finally it dawned on me I was sitting in his office and I said "Fire up your calendar let me see what your calendar looks like right now." So he kind of made a funny face and sheepishly turned around and fired up his his display screen there and his calendar was fundamentally blank. It was it it might have had in a 5-day work week it might have had six things blocked in. Hmm. And I said Oh, shame, shame. (laughs) I said, I said we need to fill that puppy up. I said, but we're going to fill it with these initiatives and these priorities and these elements of your business that we're talking about. And if you need to set aside Monday to have a team meeting to get everybody on the same page, and then Tuesday, you're going to do a follow-up with your sales guys or, you know, so on and so on and so on. I said, I want to see this thing blocked out. We've talked a lot about ways and ideas that you can move this company to that next level. But until you start blocking it in and scheduling it,
1: none of that's going to happen. Now, you bring up um, a good point. The the other thing I work with people on is getting getting in the habit of making appointments with themselves and, and using the calendar. And I've had people who, when we first started working together, you told me they were chronic procrastinators. But just getting in that consistent habit, they feel like they're not anymore. That they, and they feel like they're starting to get things done. So instead of saying, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to write that blog post this week. You say, I'm going to write the blog post on Wednesday at 1 o'clock down in my office or in my home office or at the Starbucks. You know, you have the date, the time, and the place. Yeah, And the the studies show that if you put the place you're going to do it and the date and the time, you're 40% more likely to follow through. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Well, sometimes
0: the other thing to try to help people get in the right mindset about efficiency like this, I asked a question. I said, you know, love him or hate him. If you think about guys like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, how do they get so much more accomplished than you and me, you know, and people kind of scratch their head and they go, I don't know, you know, and I said, well, here's the deal. I said, it all comes back to time. We all, every human being walking the face of the earth shares one thing in common. Well, okay. Two things, the air we breathe, that's one, but (laughs) number two, we got the same number of seconds in the day. Doesn't matter what country you live in, what socioeconomic plight you're on, you've you've got the same amount of time every day. So it gets back to how do you use that time? How intentional are you going to be about setting up action steps toward your goals
1: and objectives? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at and the the, the I've been around some ultra high performers and they literally they view time like a lot of people view money mm-hmm. like they are you know a lot of people are always looking for ways to save money they're clipping coupons they're doing this they're looking, they look at these people are looking at time that way a- and they're they're very intentional with how they spend their time who they spend their time with they have people around them to do the things that aren't that aren't really in alignment with their their mission the things that they should be focused on I And mean, they're vigilant about their time and the clock is always ticking
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's, uh, that's such a a critical thing. Um, tell, tell us a little more about, if you can share some of your own stories about situations you've been invited into and and how people have looked at this procrastination thing and what did it take to break them loose from it?
1: Well, so I have one example in particular, which kind of gets back to, the, the base of the pyramid, which was the attitude. Uh, and he was struggling to get things done and putting things off. Uh, this was a, an automotive shop and I was coaching him and he's struggling. He was complaining. He always he had to always be there. And there's a lot of negativity on our calls. So one of the things um, I had him do is I said, look, you know, start, from now on you have to start our calls by telling me something you're grateful for. It could be just one thing. And at first, it was like a struggle. It was like pulling teeth, getting him to think of something. But after a while, I mean, it was going on and on and on and on. But, you know, he would go on and on about all the things he had to be grateful for. And business started to improve. And then things improved, got to the point he didn't really have to be there. And, And it also got to the point where if I didn't talk about, if I didn't ask him what he was grateful for, he would cut me off. (laughs) <laughs> and say hey, wait a minute eric i've been waiting all week to tell you this here's what i'm grateful for. You know, so so just it, the mind and i have other examples where once we've shifted that mindset and gotten them focused on the yeah. things they have to be grateful for and getting them more positive yeah. and the wins that really helps them to start building momentum and getting them moving it it is so powerful i um
0: I spent a lot of my early years in, in banking and specifically real estate banking, and I've subsequently coined the phrase. "Said so if you're going to own a business or run a team, there's one piece of real estate that is the most valuable and most expensive and often hardest to manage. It's the six inches between your ears. <laughs> if you can get a handle on that piece of real estate, you're, you're
1: going to go miles ahead of the next guy. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's mindset, you know, that most of the most of it, if someone's stuck, it's a mindset issue. It's something with how they're thinking that's holding them back. As as you've worked with people and studied
0: the challenge, are there other drivers that make people prone to procrastinate? We talked about perfectionism being one. Are there some
1: other things that people may have going on that make them want to procrastinate? Oh, sure. I mean, so the root of procrastination is discomfort. There's some level of discomfort with what they're about to do. That could be something as simple as I just, I just don't like doing it. So I'm going to put it off for as long as I possibly can. I don't like doing my taxes. I'm just not going to do it until I absolutely have to. So it's about being aware. So what I've found is like I've yet to meet someone who procrastinates on every area of their life right? I meet people who procrastinate in a work setting, but at home, I mean, they are right on schedule, getting the kids going. And I I meet people who are great at work with getting stuff done, but at home, they'll just wait to the last minute to do everything. So so really, the the key thing is awareness and, and really pay attention to your triggers. So when you find yourself, and this is it helps to have like an outside coach, but when you find yourself delaying or putting things off, what which you, what's the, is there a common trigger? Uh, and in most cases, they, they are. And look at the setting where you are, because it's not that you just always procrastinate. It's just that you, it's a habit you have uh, in, during certain times.
0: Mm. I think that's a great point and, and, and certainly a challenge to anyone that's listening right now thinking about that. If If you'll try to do an objective analysis, what I'm hearing you say, Eric, if you try to do an objective analysis of your habit on procrastinating, is there a common thread? Is it a a task or a thing or a a particular aspect of life that you just always put off and and hate and see if there's a common thread there? In, In other words, it may not simply be, a single mindset idea that makes everything get delayed, but it's just certain things that make some things get delayed.
1: Sure. And then I'll, I'll tell you this, one of the common things. So I, I do workshops and I'll have them talk about, you know, what, what are some of the things that cause you to procrastinate and fear always comes up. Fear. Yeah. And, and I, I don't bring it up, but it always comes up from the audience. That's something that they're afraid of. And a lot of times, if it's something aspirational, something that's going to take them to the next level, like, you know, Hey, I want to if I start this podcast. Let's say it, it's successful and people, you know, what is that going to mean? Am I going to be away from my family? Am I going to, yeah. So there, there's a lot of fear that, that, that causes people that that's a common. That's, that's right up there at the top of the list of the things well, I that imagine yeah. causes people to procrastinate. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Eric, on that note, I think we're
0: going to, uh, use that as a pause here. We're going to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of those other possibilities that may be driving your, uh, tendency to procrastinate a little bit. And, uh, we're not going to put this off for long. We're going to be right back. (laughs) I promise. This program is being brought to you by Headway Exec, leadership coaching and business advisory services visit us on the web at headwayexec.com. Now, enjoy the rest of this episode. All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and I'm visiting with Eric Twiggs, and we are talking about the idea of procrastination. Eric's done a lot of work in that area, and in the first half of the show, he introduced us to a five-part pyramid that may explain or um I guess, help cure, you, you know, the, the notion of being a procrastinator. Uh, I, I guess I'll ask you, Eric, first, walk back through those five parts again, and we hit a couple of them, but let's, let's dig in a little
1: deeper into all five parts. Yes. So, so we've already talked about your attitude, and really, it's all about, if you look at your attitude, the studies show that 80% of your thoughts, the average person's thoughts are negative. If you're, your average your self-talk is negative, and if you just let it go that way, it, it makes it easier for you to procrastinate. And so the key is that you have to replace the bad, that bad habit with a better one and really be focused on gratitude. Um, and and that, that is a key to really overcoming procrastination and changing how you think. So you, you have your attitude. Um, there's also, it's about awareness, that's, that's the next level of the pyramid. Uh, one of the big things on awareness is recognizing your power times. This is important. You know we all have the circadian rhythms where we have energy. Some people are morning people like I am, where you can be bubbly and perky and ready to go. Your ideas are flowing early. then some people are night owls where you get going later in the evening. You know the, the key though is to schedule your high priority activities during those times of day when you have the most energy. Uh one of the mistakes I used to make was I would try to write something later in the evening and the ideas just weren't coming the same as it when I would when I would write first thing. So you you really just have to to know yourself. Yeah. Um and just heighten yeah. that awareness. Um so you have that. So you have the attitude, you have your awareness, you have your animation, which is your energy levels. And this is critical. Um, and you really need to be intentional and prioritize recovery. I'm telling you that this is so important and it goes against what all the motivational videos are telling you, right? Because all the motivational videos are telling you, you got to work hard all the time. You got to grind. You got, you have to get up at three o'clock in the morning. You have to do, <laughs> do all these things, but it's really, you have to prioritize recovery. I and mean, You really need to be strategic when it comes to how much sleep you're getting. You need to make sure you're getting exercise. You know, you need to make time for meditation and prayer and those types of things. Uh, and, and that is so key. And, and you'll notice when your energy, think about it, think about it. Think about when you're, if you're, cry, if you're procrastinating, a lot of times it's a, during a time where your energy level is low. Yep. Right? yep. Where you're just like, it's like funny, I, I caught myself the other day. I just I just didn't get it for whatever reason, I just didn't get as much sleep as I normally do. Like I try to get had to get a minimum of six hours. Right. I have a thing that measures the quality and quantity of my sleep. To, on this particular day, I got barely got five hours and it wasn't good quality sleep. And literally like I could hear my my mind talking and be like, oh you can do that later. Uh oh, yeah. what's the use? Uh I, I could just hear my myself talk. Wow. Yeah. was different. Yeah. So it's so important that we prioritize this recovery, make sure we pay attention to the energy levels that we have. It's interesting you bring
0: that up. I've got a doctor friend. He's now retired, but he's a very dear friend. And we do a lot of things together. And he happens to be an avid runner. And he's always done that his whole life. He's 69 now, soon to be 70, still running. And he actually competes in triathlons of sorts, shorter ones, but none None of the really extreme crazy stuff but um he talks about it he calls it lavish recovery <laughs> you know I'll, I'll call him and i'll say hey what are you doing right now and he goes i'm in the lavish recovery i said what do you mean he goes well i i did my 10 mile bike ride this morning and he said now i'm i'm you know he'll he'll go through a list i'm i'm consuming this protein and drinking this fluid and doing this. And I got my feet up and I've got ice bags and blah, 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 you know, and, and I'm watching my favorite show, (laughs) you know, (laughs) he's, that's his version of lavish recovery, you know, and it's okay.
1: Well, I get it. But I mean, he's still doing it at his age, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect example. It's working because, I mean, you have to really be intentional about, and then diet is a part of that as well.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Oh, although on a
0: humorous side note, my friend is, he's, he, his, his BMI couldn't be over six or eight and something like, he's probably single digit BMI, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But um, man, he can pack the desserts. I mean, <laughs> we wow. go out to dinner and I, I can bet money is he's going to buy the biggest, most lavish dessert in, in the place and, and he'll, he'll woof it down. But you know, he knows he's going to go out the next morning and he's going to burn about, you know, 3,600 calories doing whatever he's doing. And, uh, so I guess that's the trade-off. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for okay. Sure. Back to your pyramid. I'm sorry. I took you away from the, uh, uh,
1: the, sorry. We're on animation animation. We're on the, the third, yeah, run on the third yeah. rung. Yeah. Third so, rung. So next, the fourth rung is automation. And it's, and you really just have to understand that just because something has to be done, it doesn't mean that you have to do it. Yeah. That's the key. And you know what? You talked about perfectionism earlier. This can hold you back because part of the uh, automation piece is being willing to delegate, right? So somebody else is doing it as getting done without you necessarily having to touch it. If you're a perfectionist and you're like, oh, it has to be done this way. My and way. Right. Yeah. You're not going to, you'll be less likely. I don't know that because that was me <laughs> you know, had a hard time delegating thing. Yeah. Uh, but so you definitely have to do that and, and take advantage of the technology that's out there. Um, there's ways that you can automate your emails. So certain, you don't have to process things. Like for example, I have a thing. If I'm, if I, I'm getting CC'd on something, you know, it automatically goes to a folder where I can go back and read it. So that's just one less thing that's automating. I don't have to touch it. And yeah. it free, it just it gives me more mental space to focus on the things that are more of a priority for me.
0: Yeah, I did a show not long ago with a with a gentleman who started a company that trains virtual assistants. But what got him onto that track was the recognition one day that there were a lot of things in his business he was personally doing over and over and over and over and over again. And he said, "Maybe this isn't smart. You know, maybe I." so he he's an advocate again of to your point, leveraging some technology if he's got a process that he's decided he likes, he'll sit and he'll shoot a loom video showing the process if it's opening a screen and doing three steps here, and then opening another screen and four steps there, and something else over here, and some filing you know whatever he'll get it all documented in a video and then he'll hand it to an assistant and say, learn this video. These are all now your tasks. I want you to do this every day when these things happen, you know, this is the step, this is the procedure, and I'm not going to do this
1: anymore. Now that's great. That's great. And for me, when I got my virtual assistant, her name is Esther. It was a game changer. I mean, she just, she's fantastic. I mean, she, yeah. she does a lot of those things, sends out notices, schedules, meetings, There's a lot of things. That I don't have to touch it anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I keep pulling you off the pyramid. So we're on number <laughs> four
1: now. You, you did the, the automation. Right? right. So automation and then activity is at the top. That's number five. Again, you can't, you can, you can meditate, you can hum, you can do all that with light candles, but at some point you have to take action. Right. Hope right. is not an effective strategy. Uh, but but the key is taking the right action, right? It's not about having too much to do. It's, it's about knowing what to do next. So it, it's about taking the right actions, the actions that line up with where you're trying to go. Um, and then also, like, especially if you're in a business that involves sales, the good thing is that numbers don't lie, right? So you, you have to know your numbers. So you so you may, if you do the math, you may figure that, okay, every five contacts, you know, I, I'll get a sale. So, you know, you, you can do the math and say, okay, how many, if I want to get two sales a day, I need to make at least 10 contacts. So the bottom line is, did you make you 10 contacts or not? Right? So, right. so that you, you have to know the numbers. And, and that's, so that's one of the things I help people with is we, uh, we, we reverse engineer you know we we figure out what's the goal and then we work backwards to say okay what are the what are those actions that we need to take and 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 that takes the emotion out of our conversation right if you didn't do your 10 we we can't get upset that we don't have the sales right yeah so yeah, so yeah that so that that's the pyramid in a nutshell
0: you know knowing the numbers i think is such an important and and i just um, recorded an episode with a, a guy named Jeff Smith, who is globally known as the K, the KPI guy, mm-hmm. and um, identifying proper, effective key performance indicators in every business. And and you don't have to be a Fortune 500 to create KPIs. I mean, you're probably your auto maintenance shop ought to know something about. Turn time in the bays and, and you know, velocity of certain jobs and um, how many hours a, a mechanic can be productive, you know, depending on the kind of work they've got scheduled. All of that stuff um, is really important KPIs. And so you wonder, how am I going to make my shop more profitable? Well, you know, do you schedule resources correctly do you you know pre-order material and supplies
1: effectively all of those kind of things bake into it oh sure yeah i mean and you you can say okay you can do the math right you take you take calculate this is how much profit i want each week so based off of my overhead the math tells me that this is what i need to do in sales and this is how many customers and this is how many employees and this is, so it, yeah and then most other businesses that i've been around have something similar where you could do the math and figure out you know how many customers how many employees what's the sales number and yeah just just work the numbers yeah yeah
0: well so looking at the five part pyramid there let's let's go back to maybe some case stories. What else do people offer up as, I guess I'll call it excuses for why they're procrastinating or what's holding them back? We Right before we went on the break, we talked about fear being a big one mm-hmm. sometimes. And let's lean into that a little bit. What kind of fear are people describing when they bring
1: that up in your workshops? Well, you have the the common ones. It's Fear of failure, you know, you have fear of success, which we kind of touched on, and there's also fear of the unknown, Uh, but but so when you get to the fear of failure, it's a lot of times we're asking ourselves these what-if questions, right? Well, what if it doesn't go well? What if I don't hit the number? What if, what if, what if? And I, I think you have to change that question from what if to even if. Right, and it's again, it goes back to your mindset. But so even if, even if I don't get the account, you know, I'll learn the lesson and I'll be better for the next opportunity that I have. Even if I don't pass the test, you know what? I'll improve my study habits so I can get better. But so the key thing with the fear is the understanding. You know, when you say "what if," I mean it's in the future. It's not in your present reality, right? Yeah. If you think think about all these worst case scenarios. A lot of things that you've worried about in the past never were that bad. You yeah. know, a lot of time, most of the time it worked out much better.
0: I, I quote Mark Twain a lot. And one of his phrases that I love is he said, you know, as I look back, my life has been a whole series of horrible tragedy, most of which never happened. Exactly. <laughs> exactly you think it up you spin up and you you get fearful and frustrated and scared about what's going on and
1: all the worst things that can happen and most of those never do it's interesting they uh, there was a study that was done it's called you may have heard about this called the legacy project and they interviewed all of these people that were in senior facilities and asked them If you you know look at your life, what what's your biggest regret when you look back over your life? And the number one answer was the amount of time they spent worrying about worst case scenarios. Yeah, that was that was their biggest regret. And most you know most of the time that things turned out fine, they spent all this time worrying and wasting that time. So.
0: Um. One thing it just came to my mind back to the basic idea of procrastination. I've worked with several companies that have described a culture that has evolved over time. They didn't say they agree they didn't set out this way, but it became this way. And that is when they see an opportunity in the market, they don't act fast enough. So they're procrastinating as a company but one of the reasons they're trying to squeeze the perfect analysis out they're trying to cover all the bases and and run all the what if scenarios and and massage the numbers and dig deeper for more data and the usual solution to that is something you could call either a 70 or an 80% rule meaning if we look at an opportunity and we go do our quick research and we come up with a 70% certainty that this is a good deal, we need to go do it period or an 80% certainty because the cost to find that other 20 or 30% of certainty is so great. It's much harder. It takes more time. There's a lot more resources that get spent finding those final answers for that extra 20 or 30 percent and usually what's happened at that point is the market's gone away whatever the opportunity was poof it's gone so they they exercised the classic uh, paralysis by analysis and missed the opportunity when their early cut the 70% of information that was real easy to get their hands
1: on said, go, it's a good deal. Go, go do it. So a couple of things there, right? So I've worked, several people I've worked with have military backgrounds. And one of the things they'll tell you in the military is that an effective leader can make decisions when they have imperfect information. That's like a military thing. You may not, you may have 70% and you just, you, you, you've learned how to thin slice and make the call based off of having imperfect information. And sometimes, the second part of this is that sometimes the desire for 100% is really stalling in disguise because deep down you're afraid of what the next step may look like.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's that's totally the fear factor is Mm -hmm. is definitely the driver, at least in all the cases I'm thinking of there was this fearful mind because on one hand, you could argue, um, I'm talking about, you know, fortune 100 type companies where the, in, the green light to go, you could be talking about $100 or a hundred million dollar transaction or a half billion dollar transaction. And, you know, yes, you could argue if you're wrong about that, you just cost the company a big chunk of change but again, if your if your initial analysis says 70% is all green, let's go do it. Um, the need to get that extra 30% is not going to change your decision much. You know, because in, in, inevitably, if you're already 70% all green, that 30%, there's only going to be one or two reds in there and there's not. Otherwise, it's all going to also be green. And when they started focusing on this and really rehashing old decisions that got missed, that's what they discovered. All that extra work might've led them to another 20 or 25% of more green. (laughs) There was like a 5% red was the only negative on the table. And even with that data, you would say, go, you know, if, if I'm now 95% certain, this is a good deal because nothing's perfect. Right. So right. even if I'm 95% certain this is a good deal, I would say go. And, um, anyway, I don't want to beat that to death, but uh, the, the point is, I think that fear is the ultimate root of it. That fear of making the wrong call and being the guy that costs the company, that kind of money.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think it goes back to just you have to develop that skill of thin slicing, where you can, and, and when you really develop that skill, you'll find that you're accurate more than not with seventy percent of the information. Just like exactly. the other way. where where else that comes in is with hiring. Like I've had in my in my career, I've had people that were higher up than me, and and they could come in and meet a person and say. Yeah, he's not going to work out because of X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, oh, what do you know? You you just spent a few minutes with him, and sh- sure enough, over t- <laughs> over time, it will work out just like he. And I'm like, man, how did he do that? But thin slicing. I mean, because you, you you've had so many interviews, you've met you so many people. It's yeah. like you know what the key hot buttons are, and you don't have to be around someone that long. Uh, but uh, but I've seen people on the other side of that where. They drag their feet and, oh, I don't know. And they end up losing out on a good person because it takes them so long to make the decision as far as whether or not they're going to make the hire.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Well, I'll tell you what, Eric, we're about up on time here. Uh, Tell the folks how they can best get a hold of you if they're interested in talking more.
1: Yes. uh, You can visit my website, Eric Twigs, T-W-I-G-G-S dot com. Uh, You can go to my website. And my book is there, The Discipline of Now 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. It's available in paperback, ebook, and audio format. And there's ways you can connect with me right from my website as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, folks, we're going to have all that information in the show
0: notes if you didn't pick it up on the fly there and i'm going to pick up on a on a theme that we touched on early in the show uh i'm going to express i'm i'm grateful you came on eric i think this was a good one and uh, uh really glad we we got to chat and talk finally we had we had great fun doing the work up on this show and um i was really excited to to come together and and make this happen so thank you man yeah thank you this this has been great I, like I said, kind of teasing around at the start, uh, uh, and I I, I don't want to get all super serious right now, but this whole idea of procrastinating on decisions and work that has to go forward is something we probably all struggle with in one form or fashion and finding a, a productive way to look at it, a healthy way to get over that hurdle and be a more intentional and more effective leader is is so critical so i'm going to encourage you if you're listening right now and any point in time you've struggled with that think about what we've said here maybe go back and replay the show and check it out and, and by the way i'll mention if you're listening on a streaming service we do have a video of this over on youtube Channel by the same name, it's Leadership Powered by Common Sense, or look up my name over there. You'll uh, find us and would love to have you drop in, subscribe to the channel, maybe leave us a comment, leave us a note, and I'll put the call out that I normally do. If uh, you're listening and you might yourself be thinking about being a guest on the show, let me know. I'd love to talk to you and see what you got and we'll, um, we'll get you in the schedule. So one last time, Eric, thanks for being here. Really appreciate you sharing. Thank you.
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: All right, everybody, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, and thanks for listening.
1: You've been listening
0: to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.